0: Greetings, have a good day, and welcome to the latest edition of Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fairservice. It is now into the thick, the thick of the thin part of spring training, but it's all happening. Everybody's there, swinging bats, taking ground balls, doing, providing sound bites, smashing the Astros. It's a great time. It's a great time for any baseball fan, and uh, I think we should just get into it. I think we should waste no time and... I will waste no time in introducing a man who who is not known for wasting time. He is known for uh uh well, I don't know what is he known for. He's known for for doing the show uh, and he's known as always as uh, what the fuck am I even talking about? Stoughton Stoughton how are you?
1: I'm a, I'm a bit of a ticking clock here. A bit of But uh, but I'm doing but I'm doing
0: good. Uh Mr. Andrew Stoughton Stoughton thank yeah, you. Yeah, old reliable.
1: Time. I can't I cannot uh I I cannot let this pass without saying the words.
0: Oh, I had God. to i was i uh, I have all this patter I was i have this a pre pre baked patter that I was gonna go uh-huh. through not patter. I was more like I was more like a like an order of the day, but then I was like, why you know what, beat around the bush, let's get right into it. Let's talk about baseball and uh it is our pleasure at this time to be joined by a man who loves to talk about baseball. He is the star of the Florida project. he is the co-host <laughs> of the expand the Zone podcast. His name is Mr. Jonah Bierenbaum. Jonah, how are you? I'm doing very well, Drew. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. Jonah is, of course, uh, feature feature baseball writer at The Score. He is also uh, the John Lester to my. Thing, do they do Ross. do they
1: do long form? They do long form stuff. Oh, oh, okay, cool.
0: <laughs> they do. He are, do you still do the do the Alexa <laughs> stuff like that, or is that over?
2: No, no. In my uh, in a past lifetime, I was the voice of Alexa, but not anymore.
0: Not anymore. But as I said, Jonah is, um, one of the reasons I wanted to have Jonah on, as as I mentioned, he is the John Lester to my David Ross. So Jonah and I have played on the same men's league baseball team for how many years now? Six? Six years running. Yeah. That was the Six better part running. of a decade. Better part of a decade. And we have, or we had, we haven't used it recently. Uh, again, with all the news with the Astros and um, the players in, you know, it's, it's really an interesting time because there are so many really, really unhappy players because of um, all of the rampant cheating and the espionage or the electronic surveillance scandal, not a sign-stealing scandal. But Jonah and I were at the center of a sign-stealing scandal of our own in that when Jonah was at the plate, if I was on base or coaching, if I looked in at the catcher's signs and if it was going to be an off-speed pitch, I would yell his first name. But if not, if I just yelled <laughs> a, gen- a generic uh, encouragement, it was uh, that was nothing. So if I said, that's the way, Jonah curveball that was our elaborate that is our elaborate science stealing
2: process and and that that's occurring organically so you could argue that that's that's kosher but then again you know i i I feel bad obliterating you this early into the episode but you in years past were so seldom on second base that our 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 our
0: scheme had very little utility But it did work because I hit at the bottom of the order and Jonah hits at the top. (laughs) And the weird thing, because of the dimensions of the field, me standing on second base with Jonah at the plate, there was no chance of me ever scoring. uh, Because I think Jonah went four years without an extra base hit. It was really pretty grim. (laughs) It was, I, no, I now, saw that retribution coming a,
2: a mile away. Joe,
0: uh, obviously, Jonah is a is a was the starting or a, a pitcher and the, the starting shortstop on our team. But
2: uh, one quick question: in those six years, Jonah, how many home runs have you hit? <laughs> I have yet to go deep. I have zero career home runs for my TMBL career. It is
0: now time for us to move on. <laughs>
1: Yes, thank you. This, uh, this this Reese McGuire session about your, uh, <laughs> your fucking <laughs> baseball team has been a little bit too much.
0: Uh, but anyway, we're excited to have Jonah here to talk about. Uh, Jonah's in Dunedin. Jonah is in Dunedin. He is uh, currently, although, while he as the features writer at the score, I assume he writes about all the teams, uh, he's there with his eye on the Blue Jays right now. Uh, I heard through the grapevine which is to say a text message that he watched Nate Pearson throw the, throw today. We could talk about that. We'll talk about Vlad, we'll talk about everything that's going on. So so let's start with Nate Pearson then. Cuz he uh he he uh impressed you so in a spring early spring uh bullpen session. Um I understand he
2: throws the ball hard. Is that uh, fair to say? That is a very accurate assessment. It was his second bullpen session of the spring that I got to bear witness to yesterday at the revamped Bobby Maddock uh, training center uh, about 50 minutes down the road from TD Ballpark. And, yeah, it was the first time uh, that I had seen him pitch live, and it was uh, just as impressive as I anticipated it would be. He was throwing all four of his pitches, uh, fastball, changeup, curveball, slider, and uh, he was locating incredibly well throwing his fastball with – Uh, that uh, 80 grade velocity that uh, scouts have rhapsodized about since day one. And uh, I mean, you know, it it can be sometimes hard to distinguish um, one guy from another when you're watching a lineup of six uh, big leaguers or, or, you know, guys vying for big league jobs, Uh, you know, pitching side by side, it can be hard to distinguish one from another, but Nate Pearson very much stands out and, you know, everyone, uh, who was at the facility, uh, media members, uh, Blue Jays staffers, uh, as soon as Nate Pearson took the mound, he was in the second group to throw yesterday. They all sort of gravitated, uh, to his, uh, little uh, area in the gang bullpen. And, uh, you know, everyone was sort of blown away and, you know, speaking in those hushed reverential tones about uh, how special this kid is. And, uh, yeah, it, it was just, it was, it was a marvel. It was a sight to see. And, uh, you know, you, you 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 almost felt bad for Reese McGuire taking that that punishment to his left hand because my God, that dude throws the baseball so freaking hard.
0: it's one thing Reese McGuire knows, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that is my follow-up question. It was Reese <laughs> McGuire that caught him. Um, I don't. It's too early to read anything into that. I'm always just interested to kind of keep tabs on. Who's back there? Uh, back there catching who? But uh, uh, was there any like availability with Nate Pearson? I don't know. what do you think if you had? To, if I had to ask you to kind of guess or map out the timeline for Nate Pearson in 2020, what would be your best guess?
2: Well, I mean, I actually spoke with Nate um, after his bullpen session, and uh, he he was uh, very sort of uh, frank about the fact that he has no illusions about making the club out of camp. Uh, He's very sober-minded about how MLB front offices cynically, quote, manage their assets, unquote, these days. And he told me, I know that service time manipulation is going to happen to me just as it happened to Vlad. It's just the way the game is. And so he's hoping uh, to force the club's hand and be up in May. But, I mean, look, he has so few innings at AAA. So the fact that he's already saying that, you know, uh, he, he thinks that he can be vying for for a spot on the big league roster uh, as soon as may speaks volumes about uh, how much faith he has in his own abilities and i mean you could read that as also an indictment of uh, the pitchers that they've assembled uh, at the big league level but um you know in speaking with Nate uh, one other thing that struck me was how sort of matter of fact he was about his own dominance i had brought up that he cracked the top uh, 30, uh, pardon me, the top 20 at like the three foremost prospect ranking publications. And he cracked the top 10 at baseball America and MLB pipeline. And he essentially responded with, uh, I'm paraphrasing here. The only reason I'm not number one is because my body of work as a professional is too small due to injury, but that sample has been dominant. And once I log some more innings, uh, I'm confident I can be the most highly, highly regarded prospect in the game. Um, and like there was no there was no cockiness to his words. It was simply like he was just stating a fact. So um, I think uh, you know he very much anticipates that he will begin the year in AAA, uh, irrespective of how he performs this spring. But he's also confident that uh, he can be up in Toronto as soon as that uh, service time date uh, passes. And I think you know, frankly, uh, I would be shocked if Nate Pearson wasn't pitching at the big league level. Um, you know, before the All-Star break, certainly. But um, at the sort of a worst-case scenario, he will be up in the big leagues this year, uh, if, even if that's only as a late-season call-up. Well, the,
1: the well, thing about... about no, bought, sorry, sorry, I was just going to say the thing about that is, like, how do they manage his innings, right? Because that's going to be another issue with him.
2: Yeah, and, and they were pretty uh, cautious with him last year. You know, they treated him a little bit with kid gloves, with the uh, unique setup of having to throw only a couple innings uh, every other start. But, um, you know, they haven't given him a, a uh, concrete number uh, for the upcoming season. I think they're still going to discuss that. But, I mean, I, and this is sort of my own inference. i got to imagine that he's going to get up to, you know, 100 and... 50, 160 this year. So, you know, I don't know that they have to necessarily manage him too cautiously, but, um, you know, that's that's definitely something that, that that they still have to discuss with him because, you know, it is true. I mean, his entire body of work as a professional comprises like, you know, 130 innings. So, um, yeah, they're, they're definitely going to have to talk about that with him.
0: He's got to ramp up at some point, right? Like you can't... I guess the very cautious and sort of very incremental uh, increase over time. Like at some point I I, I feel like, well, there are diminishing returns on that. Like just let it eat. And is a, he's a big dude who throws a hundred miles an hour. Like let him go do that until, you know, he gets hurt and then he comes back and then he's good to go again.
2: Right. Yeah. And I mean that there's, there's more than one way to sort of manage a dude's innings. I mean, you saw it last year with, with Chris Paddock, right. Who, um you know made the the Padres out of spring um despite the fact that he had logged you know a handful of innings uh, above mm-hmm. uh double A and hadn't certainly thrown you know a a major league starter's workload ever so you know even though uh he he was on the big league roster uh from from opening day you know they had him pitch and then mid season they sent him back down just to sort of get a little bit of the breather and then come back up. And I, I don't really see why they couldn't follow a similar framework with a guy like Pearson, you know?
0: Oh well, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I don't know. It's just, he's such an exciting prospect. He's such an exciting player. Um, I, I wonder how that like matter of fact sort of, um, attitude would be uh, received though at the same time, because, we're used to the you know very Mike Trouty like oh I'm just gonna go out there and work hard and see what's gonna come and he's like man I I I I I, I don't know, did you watch me pitch back there like they were I threw a hundred miles an hour and I threw the slider and the changeup <laughs> like that's real good I don't know if you know but like those things that I was doing they're, they're not easy to do um, I I don't know I kind of like it I, if it's sort of unassuming maybe a little a the draw I, I I don't know I'm reading into this what this guy's personality is but but is there something for people to latch on to there do you think that there's going to be uh
2: you know there's going to be some some uh, juice about him I mean I think they can latch on to the fact that he's a six foot six beef castle who throws 104 and has struck out like 40 percent of the hitters that he's faced in his minor league career um I mm-hmm. think that takes some of the pressure off uh, Nate Pearson to, to cultivate a persona that the fans are going to gravitate to. Fans are going to gravitate towards that pitcher. I mean, he's going to be the best pitcher that this franchise has developed since uh, Marcus Stroman and, and before that, you know, Roy Halladay. So, you know, I, I think um, he he's not going to be a guy who's hard to like, even if his personality isn't necessarily effervescent. And, and don't get me wrong, like, I don't think that he's he's devoid of personality. I, I just think that, you know, uh, in my particular interaction with him, you know, he was just very sort of uh, maybe blasé about the fact that he's been really, really good and hasn't really, outside of health issues, encountered any adversity as a professional.
1: And and Drew, you mentioned Paddock, obviously, but it it, it and uh and, and I'm just curious how this is going to play out. I think it's going to be really interesting all spring. Uh, you know, Marcus Stroman isn't here like we remember last year. He was like Bobichet's a big leaguer. Like he should just come north with us. Um, uh, but you know. It, it, fans aren't dumb. I, I feel they're going to notice that he's better than Tanner Roark.
2: <laughs> I mean, it, 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 he could he could conceivably be like the the most talented pitcher on this roster outside of Hyunjin Ryu. Like, um, yeah, no, fans aren't dumb, and and I I don't think that the Blue Jays are are going to, um, you know, sort of, uh, tr try to can, convince fans that he's anything. But what he's been built up to be, like I think that um, you're you're probably going to see him debut in Toronto um, early this year if he continues to have the success uh, in Buffalo that he's had to this point.
0: The the innings thing is just such an easy out for them as well, though, right? Whereas camp goes on and and they start to reassign guys, and and the the actual you know the established big leaguers are needing to go deep into games, and there's fewer outings to go around. Then they'll just be like, well, we just reassigned him to minor league camp so that he can get his innings and he can get his, his reps up. Like, I just feel like what we've seen from the team and their kind of pragmatic approach to, to service time, it feels very unlikely that they will suddenly break out and put him on the big league roster on opening day or any time before the uh, perceived Super 2 deadline. I don't know. Uh, let's change subjects real quick. Something that uh, we should have probably said off the top. I was sputtering and muttering. I was so, I was so eager to get to our sign stealing anecdote that I neglected. I overlooked um, the while everyone were all so excited about spring training and being in Florida and watching, uh, I believe, the word beef castle. Or, and I, I had uh, just a <laughs> corn fed mule, was like right on the tip of my tongue. Uh, Tony Fernandez passed away. Um, just this past week, Blue Jays great. Uh, truly, truly one of the, one of the finest Blue Jays, uh, got a real, like your favorite player's favorite player kind of vibe. Just the guy that everybody, everybody liked. I know Stoughton, you wrote a, a, a kind remembrance of him. I don't know what, what do you remember most about Tony Fernandez?
1: Uh, you know, I mean, I was quite young, but I think a lot of people were quite young. I thought that Joey, Joey Votto's you know tribute on his hat today at, at, at mm. the Reds' camp out in Arizona was was perfect because it was like my dad and I loved you, and that sort of brings me that. That's you know that I'm of that same vintage. I'm sadly an older man than Joey Votto at this point in my life, <laughs> uh, and I suppose I will be at all points in my life where those lines will never cross. But uh, but, but like you know, it, it was it's just like those sort of formative years, and you know, I was. You know when eight like I, I my birthday's in october so 85 i turned 5 right so it's 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 pretty it's pretty ill formed there but i mm. but you know i remembered who he was and you know i obviously like i said in the piece and i think like a lot of people said online you know you're trying that fernandez flip and and he was a guy who sort of commanded the the infield with uh you know with those with those great blue jays teams that uh sort of get over got overshadowed because you know they got even greater and and uh and you know it was just a guy that and, and you see from the tributes that came in from uh from all his old teammates and and uh and, and just everybody seemed to have uh wonderful things to say about him he's a guy who like just took an absolute beating on the field like like literally with the the bill madlock thing and he broke his elbow again with the uh the start of the year in uh in 95 uh or in ninety six with the with the, with the yankees and and ended up making you know making room for derek jeter which was uh uh an unfortunate event in all of our lives with that ended up you know <laughs> allowing him to come back eventually to uh uh to the blue jays and 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 it was it was so fitting and i think I don't know where it's at now, but, but, you know, some of the highlight packages and the things that we've watched this week, you know, you forget, it's like, you know, he was the leader in games played. He was the leader in hits for the blue Jays. And, and it's, uh, there's a reason he's up there on the the level of excellence. And and even though some of my memories of him as a young player, when he was really, uh, on mm-hmm. the cusp and really, you know, just did that like that much more exciting than I think, you know, I kind of saw the back end of his career a little bit more, mm-hmm. uh, those are foggy, but, but it's, it's sort of, it's there in the lore and it's there, uh, just, you know, remembering being out on the field, putting the glove on and it. And you know, that, you know, your, your kids are calling out who like, I'm this guy, I'm that guy. And people wanted to mm-hmm. be Fernandez. And I think that, you know, speaks to not just the fact that he was the local guy, but because, you know, your, your dad hasn't cursing him every, every time he booted a ball. Cause he didn't fucking do that.
0: He, I'm a little bit older than you only a couple of years but like old enough that I was a little that that much a couple of years older in 85 so I I was more aware that that was going on. I was so mad in 1987 like I curse Bill Madlock's uh, <laughs> yeah. name to this day. Uh but yeah and and I think it's for for some younger people or or whatever. Like we have any of those
1: kinda... on the on the line right now?
0: perhaps? <laughs> we do. We do. I'll I'll get to him in a minute. <laughs> But like the way that Tony Fernandez like glided around the field, that was always the sense, right? That he was just kind of Mm -hmm. because he played that Dominican sort of style that we saw, even like Troy Tulawitsky play when he was here, right? Kind of running around balls wasn't as like as like straight lines. wasn't as you know you know the the more traditional maybe quote but less athletic. I I saw a lot of people talking about loaded languages
1: like well yeah but i saw people talking about the throws and, and like multiple people being like yeah i was trying that and my coach would be like you, like no that's not no you can't do it that way like it's not it wasn't it wasn't textbook and that's what kind of made it beautiful
0: it made my dad so mad so <laughs> mad because i we, we would try to do it we were doing those we were flipping it underhand right. and and again you saw some of those highlights packs come back uh you know this weekend um it was just, uh, you know, I can take it for very, granted it was now. Very it's more too,
1: It was very much like Tulowitzki where it's like,
0: yeah,
1: just the the the, the time, like the timing was just perfect. Like you'll mm-hmm. beat a guy by a half step, no matter where you get the ball, where you're from, you're gonna put all that needs to be on the throw to get it there in time to beat him. Uh, but but you know you're not, you know, not not rushing it. it but it's. Uh, uh you know it's it's sad that he's gone so soon but in a, in a bittersweet way it was nice to uh uh, uh uh to remember all those times and to see all those highlights and to see how much he meant to so many people
0: absolutely and uh he i was just so i was always so excited it's it's funny to say because it's it's so it seems so unusual with all the tour of duties with in toronto where i was every time he came back i was always so excited it's like yes 100% tony fernandez yeah. Uh, Jonah, you are a youth. You are but a teen. Uh, what are what are you, what do you make of uh, of Tony Fernandez, who may have his time uh, was very much before your time uh, in the in the prime of your life, anyway.
2: Uh, it was, and I'll give you um, uh, my 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 favorite Tony Fernandez anecdote, which has absolutely nothing to do uh, with his exploits on field. Um, when I was in. The th- my third year of university I played baseball for Carleton, and we made it to the national championship in Moncton New Brunswick and Tony Fernandez delivered the keynote address uh, at our uh, banquet that we had for all the teams and at that point in his life he was an ordained minister so his address amounted oh, yeah. to a sermon and uh, that was uh, a pretty pretty wild experience um, and uh, I, I, it, it was just it was it was funny to encounter him in that kind of context. Um, but that's, I, to be honest, that, that is my most sort of memorable Tony Fernandez story. But I do very much remember uh, as a youth, because uh, he played his uh, final season in the big leagues when I was 10, I, I have very distinct memories of Tony Fernandez being one of the guys that my dad got really, really excited about. And whenever he would allude to Tony Fernandez, you know, he only spoke um, in the most reverential of tones and um, he, 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 um, he really adored him and, and that meant a lot to me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, also remember playing baseball growing up, um, you know, coaches would, would, uh, admonish, uh, shortstops who threw sidearm or on the move. And it's like easy, Tony, you know, like that became, that became an expression <laughs> and like, you have to be incredibly, uh, indelible as a player uh, to, to have that kind of impact. And, and looking back at it, frankly, he is Toronto's only indelible shortstop. The Blue Jays in their 43-year history, I, I think it is now, uh, you know, they've never really had a shortstop who, who made a lasting impression. You know, they've had the shortstops who were good. Uh, you know, Troy Tulowitzki obviously played a big role uh, for the club in 2015 and 2016. And, you know, Alex, Marco Scudero had like... Gonzalez. Alex, Alex Gonzalez. Gonzalez. absolutely. Yeah. You know, Royce <laughs> Royce Clayton, uh, all the guys up on the Pantheon. Um, yeah. you no, know, seriously, though, uh, Tony Fernandez is, 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 you know, really the only one. Um, I, I don't want to say the only one worth remembering because, you know, is memorable in his own right. And so is, uh, you know, no, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean that, that, that is, um, certainly, uh, you know, who Tony Fernandez is. He is the franchise shortstop.
1: I, I do, I do have one other memory seeing him up close in person, which was, I think it must've been after like a school trip and waiting for a bus sort of on the south side of the Rogers Center after a game. And it's like, the game is sort of long over. And, uh, I don't know if you, I don't know how well known this is. I'm sure lots of people know, but they, you know, it was like they had Honda branded like cars, like white cars, and they'd had like a Blue Jays logo on it that were like the players would draw. and I'd, like it was just like holy shit! They're, like they're, they're, Tony Fernandez just drove by us in his little like his <laughs> tiny little white Honda with a Blue Jays logo on it. What the hell? Uh, a different time, a different era, but that's uh, funny. But yeah, but an incredible player, and uh, and yeah, I'm glad we uh, I'm glad we let off the show with this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, between Tony Fernandez in like the late '80s, and then you know uh, into the into the the '92 '93, and then Ro- Roberto Alomar, uh, it's no wonder that there are no canadian middle <laughs> infielders in the big leagues because nobody learned how to play the position right everybody was like throwing an under underhand from the third baseline or stupid jump throws all the time like wow like flying through the air none of us everyone we're all idiots just like watching all, i'm not i'm not going as far as to say that our dads and Coaches and crusty, miserable old old people were right, but they weren't wrong <laughs> at the end of the day. Uh, and, and but the thing with with that, all, I, I always will remind, remind myself is that they did that because the other stuff was just as e- was too easy. Like they could do, they could make all the routine plays. If you wanted Tony Fernandez to play the angles, he could do that. But why not? He'll get you all those extra outs. It was uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a shame. And uh, and PKD, which he had, is. Uh, it's a serious, uh, serious thing. PKD, uh, shout out to the PKD Foundation of Canada. Um, let's move on, though, from uh, from the bittersweet uh, remembrance of Tony Fernandez to uh, the bittersweet uh, projections of the Blue Jays. I don't know. The uh, Fangraphs, uh, Ta- Tony Wolf was like, "Hey, maybe uh, maybe Blue Jays aren't so bad." Uh, obviously, you still, you don't believe that, do you?
1: No, I don't. I, I mean, I think he made some interesting points, and I thought it was worth you know looking at i don't know if I, I my hope is uh well we'll see we'll see how the rest of this wine goes but I, my hope is that i'm going to have a piece <laughs> on the projections on several projection sh- systems and what they're saying about the jays uh up by the time anybody hears this and uh and if i don't uh well then i've just screwed myself haven't i so uh, so i guess i have to do it now uh but yeah no i i i thought it was interesting that he pointed out the jays record when Four, four or five of you know the five guys that he identified as the core players for the team, which were which was Danny Jansen, which was surprising because you know he was terrible last year, but Jansen, Gurriel, Bichette, Vigio, and uh, what's that other guy's name? Vlad, something or other. It's the guy, the guy, guy keeps beating it into the damn carpet. Uh, hmm. But no, they were really good when those five guys were on the field, and they were less good when when fewer of them were, uh, which can you know, <laughs> which is a number that can be be uh, acted upon by by several factors, uh, more than several factors, probably infinite factors. It, it, it's probably not a very meaningful number, but uh, but it's one I think that Jace fans can cling to and think, you know, I don't know, we're going to see, hopefully, touch wood, you know, uh, no offense, Reese McGuire, uh, the, we're going to hopefully see a bunch of them on the field together way more often this year, uh, so that's uh, that, that's something to 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 think is positive. And also, you know, they're going to have some pitchers behind them that aren't, you know, Edwin Jackson and so many guys who I can't even remember their goddamn names.
0: So many guys. What do you what do you think, Jonah? I mean, have you uh, you got a sense of the the large sons down there? Are they looking good, looking spry. Uh, is this a team poised for a breakout?
2: I mean, that depends on your definition of breakout. Like, are they going to be dramatically better than they were last year? Yes, but they were a 67-win team last year. Um, so, you know, uh, even finishing at 500 this year would be a massive improvement. Uh, the large Suns do look quite spry, I got to say. Vlad has definitely slimmed down. I wouldn't call him lean uh, by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> but he definitely seems, uh, you know, leaner and... uh uh, I think that will serve him not only a field but also uh, at the plate. But um, yeah, I mean, look for the for the Blue Jays to be like legitimately good this year. Everyone has to mm-hmm. hit like their ninetieth percentile projections, and Nate Pearson has to you know throw one hundred and fifty quality innings. Um, that's that's almost certainly not going to happen. But that doesn't mean that the season is going to be an utter catastrophe and as unwatchable as it was uh, at times in 2019 like they have legitimately good players on the roster this year and I think that mm-hmm. um you know that that can't be uh overstated like last year when when camp broke the best player on the team was was Randall Gritchik or, or Lourdes Gurriel who was at that time playing second base um and and this year like on opening day when they play the Red Sox they're gonna have like legitimately good players uh in their lineup, and they're going to have at least one really, really good starter, uh, barring injury. And uh, you know, Jays fans uh, have been patiently waiting uh, to, to to watch a team again that's that's fun, if not necessarily competitive. And this team, if nothing else, is, I believe, going to be fun, and and that's uh, meaningful.
0: I agree. The, the big weak spot, I think, that we would all agree. Yeah. Number one, you're right there are good players where before there were bad players uh, a lot of the way. And even like a player like Danny Jansen, who has the potential to be much to be good, even though he spent much of last year being so, so very bad. Um, And then, you know, full seasons from Biggio, which again, that could go either way. The error bars I feel like on Biggio are huge because of, um, you know, he had uh, again, huge sections of the season where he was just God awful, but at the same time, uh, showed that he can hit at the big league level, at the very least, and and, and also look to have played some uh, some adequate defense around uh, different p- spots. Full season the Bichette, more uh, you know can't get worse Vlad, which is uh, hopefully. <laughs> um, but then the outfield is fun because like I love Teoscar Hernandez and and Grandal is what he is, but like those players aren't good really. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> there, there's a chance. There's a chance that at least it's. We're getting, they're getting they're, they're rounding into the form of a team that people are going to be able to cheer for, and many of those guys will be, you'll be cheering for for a few more years, hopefully.
1: Well, if you, if, you know if you take away the uh, the ones that we're going to lose to the labor stoppage, yeah.
0: All right, so let's do this then. Fine. <laughs> you, uh, not necessarily the labor stoppage, but this is the part of the show where we make fun of Rob Manfred.
2: Oh baby. Uh, Which is to say
0: that uh, although he seems outwardly inept, uh, he is doing his job, which isn't the job that we think or wish that he had, right? The commissioner of baseball is not often the steward protecting over the pastoral game of baseball. He's there to make the owners happy because he works for them and he's good at that, is he not? And he's a light he's a
1: lightning rod too, I mean Bud Selig did very well, I think mark Shapiro when he becomes commissioner will all, is also well prepared <laughs> to be the lightning rod who takes attention away from the fact that all stupid shit that everybody hates him for is really probably the owner's doing
0: like what like the playoff thing he didn't just conjure that out of idiot well air. that's
1: that's good let's be let's be clear that, that that's a that's oh, a winning
0: proposition
1: is it we talked no.
0: about this, like we did talk. I about mean, objectively, it. it's it. extremely bad, but but also, perhaps, but
1: narrowly for me, it sounds great.
0: <laughs> but I, I mean, so he comes out and he says weird stuff like Mike Fires is going to be protected and he's wary of you know retribution being visited upon the Astros. Um, like that's going to happen. Right, like there's, there's no getting around it. Some Astros players are going to get hit with baseballs, which is dumb. It doesn't solve anything. It doesn't make anybody well. It'll make some people feel better, but it's not going to change anything.
1: They really need to suspend them all for their own good.
0: So, the, but I feel like <laughs> let here's my here's my conspiracy theory that I'm just concocting here in real time. All right, that not. The hand fisted way he's doing this, and the open division within the players—that they so many players are coming out and, and 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 pointing fingers and being taking bold stances. Mike Trout of all people, Mike Trout said words that had that you could assign meaning to. <laughs> this is <laughs> Rob Manfred's pre-work to break the union, so there will yeah, be no but, work stoppage.
1: And <laughs> this is like. This is how we treat all the books. This was like an Obama thing. It's like, oh, you know, the right wing would be like, oh, he's he's so inept and horrible, and also he's devious and is going to and is like doing super smart things. But, you know, you kind of can't have it both ways. He's either inept or he's or he's not. So, but I do I like the think- idea that 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 he's sowing discord among the players because uh, whether he's in, it's intentional or not, it certainly does seem to be happening because because uh, yeah. Guys are mad and rightfully fucking so.
0: I don't think that he is inept. That's the thing. I think that the the reason that we think he's inept is because he says the quiet parts loudly, and because he is his job is not that which we wish it was. His job is not to oversee the game. his job is not to gently steer it in the direction of health. It is not necessarily to be it is it is not to be fan friendly it is to be fa- it is to be max working on benefit of, of the owners until the point that it becomes a consumer crisis like a consumer confidence crisis. He has to navigate that and yeah but make better at-
1: basically yeah.
0: He's like, well, more, maybe like a like a concierge. No, I don't know.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's
0: a major. He just brings you to your table, or or you, you come to him and he tells you which bar to go to around around from the hotel, or he get you tickets to the show. But like, if the it's show just, sucks, yeah. it's not his fault.
1: If there's problems in the kitchen, he'll give you free theater tickets. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There we go. So so I don't know. I I don't know that he is bad at his job. He's bad at at not pissing people off but it's in such a state right now that people are going to get pissed off. I don't I don't John I know you've written about this and and maybe, so maybe you like feel different
2: this up right now, yeah. I, no, I no, I think he's bad at or or frankly doesn't care to maintain the illusion that he has some overarching moral responsibility to protect the game of baseball or to champion the interests of its fans. Like he is just naked in his uh duty championing the owner's financial interest, and he's very successful at that. Major League Baseball continues to set revenue records year over year, despite the fact that they continue to alienate fans, despite the fact that there's an ongoing attendance crisis. Um, so, you know, the, the owners, even though, you know, one could make the argument that, uh, you know, a, a consumer crisis is looming, uh, they, they really can't take umbrage with anything Manfred has done, and it is... And it, has yet to be seen whether or not his bungling of this situation from a public relations standpoint is actually going to ramify financially for the owners. So, I, I mean, I, I think what, what really needs to happen is fans need to disabuse themselves of this idea that Rob Manfred is on their side because he is decidedly not, and uh, that that's really how it's always been, um, and that's always how it will be uh, until... You know, uh, as you alluded to, Drew, there are diminishing financial returns uh, for the owners uh, to the point where, you know, he has to do something um, that that serves their interest that happens to align with the interests of baseball's fans. Well, soon there won't be any of those to worry about.
1: I I do agree with Jonah, though, that he is he is he's naked in his Mercedes in the dollar tree parking lot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Whom's among us? (laughs) <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what else is going on. What else is going on with the Blue Jays? Nothing really.
2: I mean, uh, Joe, Joe Panic, uh, who with. that's an interesting one. Oh, yeah. sorry, go ahead, go ahead. you ahead. Yeah, my memory. I spoke with Joe uh this morning, he has he actually has the luxury suite in the uh, home clubhouse at TD Ballpark. He's got the empty locker next to his locker, perhaps in oh, uh, recognition. So he's
1: on the team. So he's on yeah, the team. I mean,
2: that, that's, and that's he's got a number sign, two, and That's telling. Yeah. He's what got the fuck? Single-digit number and luxury suite. I mean, those are, those are telling signs. Um, but what was interesting is that, uh, you know, despite the fact that he has not played any shortstop in the big leagues, he's really only played uh, second base on, like, I think one – Inning at first base, a handful. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
2: Um, he was getting his reps defensively yesterday um, at the Bobby Maddox Center uh, at shortstop, um, and he's he's very much um, you know working on becoming a utility guy. Despite the fact that he's really demonstrated no no versatility throughout his big league career, um, he described himself this morning as a shortstop at heart, um, and he he is convinced <laughs> he can play the position. Who among us? <laughs> yeah. Who among us? Um I, I cannot uh confirm whether or not he uh will, you know, have the inimitable grace of Tony Fernandez at shortstop and throw sidearm. Um but uh he believes that he can play the position and uh you know with that additional um roster spot uh for the twenty twenty season, um, you know, I, I, I'm intrigued and I think the Blue Jays are intrigued by, by Joe Panic, even though he hasn't hit in two years and for his career is like you know essentially a league average hitter uh i i think they're intrigued um and he hits left-handed uh which is nice mm-hmm. too and distinguishes him from from Brandon Drury who i mean can't really hit right-handed but um <laughs> uh yeah J- joe joe panic is very much in the mix i would say i, I will say this
1: in joe panic's favor which is which surprised me uh he's only 29 i i assumed joe panic was much older than that
0: no i mean he 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 can play the shit out of second base. He used to be able to play the shit at of second base, turn one of the greatest double plays in the history of the game. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. He's, he's not, he doesn't have any power, but maybe, maybe getting away from San Francisco will fix that. Yeah. Put the bat on the ball. I guess the other, the other side of that again. So if he's, if he's trying out at shorts or getting some reps in at shortstop, that can only help his stock as he's trying to stick around in the big leagues and being like, yeah, yeah, don't worry. I can do that. I'll figure it all out. Um, but they don't really have a backup shortstop on the roster, and they, uh, I can't foresee a situation in which they they do,
2: right? Like, there's, well, they don't. There's, I mean, I guess be, it's I guess it's Brandon the, Drury. Yeah, yeah,
1: cancel the season if 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 their if their main shortstop goes down, he's got right. to play 150 games, right? Like, yeah, honestly.
0: Um, but the other side of that positional flexibility, it, you know, moving from Joe Panic, who is you know fighting for a roster spot, is uh, Lourdes Gurriel, who apparently will get some potentially. Get some reps at first base in the event of a left-handed starter uh, on the mound for the opposition, which is something that um, sort of starts to seem inevitable now, uh, given that there's a whole host of horrors awaiting him in left field, in my humble opinion. But uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Is this like, A, do we believe in his bat to the point that getting him as many at-bats as possible is worthwhile? And B, is, it, is first base maybe his future home, not unlike his older sibling?
2: I I don't think so. I think you're you're squandering his his two um, you know best de- defensive gifts, if you will, which are his his arm strength and his um, athleticism, and like mm-hmm. you, it just doesn't seem like like a real fit to me. Um, but um,
0: you know, <laughs> watching the outfield him runner- is, is
2: terrifying.
0: So <laughs> watching him in the outfield, you get to see both of those skills at once. As he turns around, <laughs> runs back to the wall where the ball is sitting, and then picks it up and fires it along an accurate distance back into the infield. Uh, I mean, now, maybe may- I'm giving him a hard time. But.
1: Maybe I maybe I've set the bar too low after watching Teoscar Hernandez in, in left field too much. But uh, uh, he seemed he seemed all right. And uh, <laughs> and you know, I think Charlie Montoya would be like would 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 be the first to tell you you know the idea about first base. Uh, good hands, good hands. Not sure about his arm on the infield, though. I though I think that in a pinch, uh, he was real bad at shortstop when, uh, <laughs> when they gave him that little, little run there. But uh, but can he be worse than Brandon Drury I, or Joe Panic? Probably not. Mm. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him there a little bit also. But uh, but I I don't think you know his his brother his brother the cheating aside, his brother mm-hmm. uh, is much older than him. Cheating and racism uh, and, and- aside. Well, sure. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, you mean his, <laughs> not not mine. Okay, no, not okay. his, yeah. Oh, thank God, because I was like, well, I don't know what I just said there.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, setting aside the cheating of Yuri oh, and, and the, yeah.
1: Uh, but no, I mean, I think that he's, he's been very good. He's been a very good... Big league hitter, quite a lot, quite frequently, yeah. quite quite frequently. If you if you ignore the valleys, I think the peaks have been pretty good for him. <laughs> and honestly, you know, he, uh, he took he had a lot of time off when he defected. He uh, he has had a tough time staying on the field regularly. And I think if he can have a full healthy season, I think it would be pretty good. And I would be I would be very intrigued to see that uh, ideally as some other team's left fielder. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah I, I think we're getting to the point now where despite our misgivings or uh, I know that on, on this show we've spoken of his uh, lack of patience and all this other stuff uh, it's hard to dispute that he can hit right And or at the very least he has hit obviously he had that crazy stretch um, where he just got uh, hit every time up to the plate for a week and a half or however long it was but he, he can hit so, if you're looking to keep him in the lineup, and then first base is pretty harmless, you can put him over there. You know, as someone good who hands, waited, good
1: hands, good hands, good
0: hands, and and I mean,
1: better than you, Teoscar, right? I mean, Teoscar, you can't, you can't, you don't want that guy handling the ball every fucking, <laughs> you know, two out of every three outs or whatever, right?
0: No, that does not seem that seems suboptimal <laughs> to me. Uh, where you know, if you're worried about Gurriel's. Throwing, I always think back to Lyle Overbay, right? I always wanted to watch Lyle Overbay throw, and I always felt like he never got to because he played first base. But it's one of those things where it's like you, you, you know, it's lurking there. He's just looking for the opportunity to just uncork one. Um, where you knowing that and knowing how disappointed I was makes me feel better knowing that Guriel will not be pressed into action throwing the ball to left field. Where even if he does, you know, if he's trying to turn like a three six three double play or something like that. You don't have to worry about Lourdes Guriel chasing it down when he does, in fact, throw it into left field again. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's about it. I think we've gone on long enough. We're milking this. We're milking this positional battles or milking minor leaguers. Uh, Jonah, where can the people find you and your work and your podcast and all that stuff?
2: Yeah, uh, Expand the Zone is available wherever you get your podcasts iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And you can find me on Twitter at beerandball, and, and uh, you can find my work over at The Score, where Andrew Stoughton may be shocked to hear this. We do do some long-form content. Interesting. Wow. I, I, oh, I would not didn't have known do that anymore. That. That's interesting.
0: I, I am surprised, shocked, and maybe even, even appalled to hear that. Uh, Jonah, <laughs> thank you so much. Hey,
1: say hi to say hi to Benji for us, though.
0: No, don't. <laughs> Say hi. <laughs> I need to give a special shout out. I don't know if he'll hear I know actually I know for sure no, he'll hear not, nothing
1: but love for our former colleagues. I would never want to burn bridges.
0: Jonah's parents so that makes you look like a bridge burner. Are, that's
1: not a thing. You want to be Jonah's
0: parents are the greatest people I've ever known in my entire life. Jonah's dad in particular is the nicest, most patient man I've ever met. I don't know what well, he, he did, did with kids, he did have to raise but... Jonah, so <laughs> An absolute saint. So shout out to Brian Bierenbaum. And uh, thank you again, Jonah, for joining us. It's a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to uh pleasure to was all mine, you. fellas. Thank you so much for having I, me. I know that it was. I don't I don't dispute that for a second. Uh Stoughton, the people can find you here at the Athletic, where this show is hosted and lives. And like you said, you got some stuff coming. And uh, you have a uh, bird's eye view that went up today, Thursday, I believe.
1: Yeah, I got that thing. I got I got I got all sorts of stuff coming. It is uh it is the season and uh so there's going to be a ton of stuff all year for me and Caitlin and John Lott had a bunch of great stuff this week. Uh a piece on Huggin uh, uh Dave Hudgens and his piece on Todd Stottlemyre and John Gibbons and uh uh Caitlin did some amazing stuff with the, the roster projections and talking to uh, get, uh getting advice for rookies from uh from guys mm, like Trent mm-hmm. Thornton and Matt Shoemaker about like what would you what would you tell a, a, a fellow like Nate Pearson who is going to come and take their jobs very soon.
2: If I can interrupt really quickly. My, Please my, do. My, yeah. w- one more observation from spring camp is mm-hmm. that uh, Trent Thornton and Chase Anderson are indistinguishable from one another. <laughs> and, and your colleague, Caitlin McGrath, and I have taken to calling Chase Anderson uh, Brent Thornton. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one to you his, can call to it Chet Anderson Absolutely not
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Amazing okay. Like two uh, little <laughs> naked pink mole rats Running around in Blue Jays hats <laughs> If you want to read Caitlin's story, if you want to read Stoughton If you want to read John Lott and you aren't an Athletic subscriber, I cannot recommend Enough that you go to theathletic.com Slash birds all day you can get i'm holding up four fingers 40 percent off on an annual subscription if you do that so hit the link make sure you let people know that you, it was us who sent you if you have the opportunity be like i love that show those guys are great and you can get all that great blue jay stuff you can get jonah's stuff at the score download the app if you haven't already uh if you're canadian do it as well but that's it His name is uh, Andrew Stoughton. Thanks again to Jonah Berenbaum. My name is Drew Fairservice. We'll talk to you next time on Birds All Day.